Welcome to Breaking Bread. I'm Terry Page. We have a special roundtable discussion today where we'll uncover such topics as worker shortage. Many businesses across our nation are reopening, but they are finding a hard time finding workers. Why? Much of it does come down to economics, and as usual, we'll explore multiple sides. Also, here's a hot topic for you, minimum wage. We're going to take this apart today as many analysts find themselves on different sides of this issue. What is your opinion, Fall? Speaking of opinion, we took the Instagram on this one. Nirvana is being sued over an album cover. We'll find out your thoughts as well as ask my guest, Jose Angeles, who will also give his perspective on the future of Zoom as their stocks fall amid workers returning to the office. Also joining us today is Modena Meeks, who has echoed much of your sentiment found on social media. With the market talks, we listen. Jose, Modena, welcome to Market Talks and Breaking Bread. Hello. I'm glad to have you. Glad to have you here on this t- edition of Market Talks. Hey, Terry, thank you for inviting me again. I'm happy to be here. As I mentioned at the top, there's a number of things going on with our economy. And we know this is a platform, and I would like your opinion on some of this. And of course, I will share my perspective. But the big one that's at the top is unemployment. We're finding that employers are finding a hard time finding workers. Anyone listening to this podcast right now can relate. Either you're directed effect, uh, directly where you're trying to find the job, or perhaps you go to a restaurant, maybe the service is slow, or maybe they have reduced hours because they can't find the people. Jose, we'll start with you. What do you think is going on in this situation? Um, well, Terry, to be totally honest, if you are uh, unemployed right now, you have options with the unemployment payment. So uh, there's people that think you're making more money doing that than looking for an actual job. In the other hand, there now is more people spending more money, going to restaurants, and then not a lot of servers or even cookers like the chefs that are not in the restaurant. So we're getting delayed, and we, th- we feel that we have way more people in the restaurant. So I totally feel this, that something needs to happen to change that and people go back to work. Well, people go back to work. Now, you know, we all watch the news and, and watch the, the financial piece of this. And some of the politicians say, you know what, we will reduce the, uh, the unemployment benefits, the extra $300 that people were getting, and then people would go back to work. However, you look at those states that did that, there wasn't much change. As a matter of fact, in the states where they did it, uh, more people actually stayed home in the places where they didn't do it, more people went to work. So that didn't really work. So that's why I asked, what do you think is um, is really happening? But Dean, do you have any uh, opinion on this? Yes, Terry. Um, my opinion is that also um, they may have dropped the $300 per week, but you also have to think about the stimulus checks. Um, some of the, those were still coming in as well as food stamps, you know, thousands of dollars per child. So um, with all that, money or uh, benefits that are that they're receiving what's the benefit of actually going back to work and let me throw here too the the child tax child tax incentive too that now uh, are receiving monthly so that's something else that is money on the table well that's true and and also people have expressed concerns with the new uh, delta variant that they are concerned about going back to work going any office getting that because as we notice more employers are having people go back into the office 
and there's some fear there. Uh, the other piece of that is childcare. People are having an, an, a challenge with the childcare piece of it, depending on who you talk to. I think something that uh, it will show us how things are going or are going to be is the schools system, how they're going to manage to have all the kids, mask mandate, or what is going to happen, but the kids is going to be a key here, or the schools, not only the kids. Yes, so thank goodness uh, Pfizer now has uh, approval for the children to get vaccinated, so at least we can get a head start on that. But, yeah, children going back into school and the, the new Delta variant, there's a lot of reasons why people are not going back to work. Benefits are not. Benefits are not, and they're throwing money in people. You know, whatever the number is, $1,000, $2,000, sign a bonus, depending on who you talk to. That doesn't seem to be moving people. Uh, as a matter of fact, we're having this whole discussion about minimum wage, and does that really come into play here? And, and that's the uh, that's also the debate here, that that's raising the minimum wage. What does that do? So for every argument in favor of raising the minimum wage, there seems to be an equally appealing argument against it. And I'll give you some examples. Some people say you raise the minimum wage, you hire less people. Or you raise the minimum wage and you keep workers but reduce hours. But other analysts say, and they're on different sides of this, that you replace workers with machines. So you have all those working parts. Everybody can't be right, or are they, Jose? No, it's exactly that. It's the... the Depends the way that you're going to see it. If you're going to see it, uh, like, for example, um, if you rise the minimum wage, less people, uh, less employers are going to be looking for new employees. So less new hire. That's the way, that's an, a way to see it. So it's going to depend. But what, I'm, what I can tell you, when time passes by, more machines are going to replace humans. Okay, well, let's take a look at that for a second. Um, they did say that when you raise the minimum wage that people will have a hard time paying those workers, that they're going to reduce some jobs. Other analysts have found that, especially when they did that experiment over in Seattle, in Seattle they found that if you raise the minimum wage, they did keep the workers but reduce hours. As a matter of fact, they also found that the people who've been there a while, the more experienced, let's take the restaurant example again, when it gets busy, once they've cut people, they had those people stay, and those people actually end up working overtime, so they actually made more money. What do you say, Medina? Hmm. Okay, no, that's, that's very interesting. Uh, I didn't think about it that way. Um, because I know some people would en- enjoy not having to work a full 40-hour work week or more hours, you know, overtime. So 32 hours, um, there have been news reports of um, employers allowing their employees to actually work um, three days on, four days off, um, just to kind of lessen some of their hours to cut, you know, in lieu of cutting their pay. So, and well, some of the employees would prefer that. If you if you are having to go back into the office and work, it's it's a lot more accommodating to work less days uh, in the office than it is to um, have to go in five and six days a week. People do like more time away from the office, right? Oh, definitely. <laughs> Well, interesting enough, we, we do talk about the numbers and what's going on. And I noticed that corporations, sometimes they ignore those. They did an experiment in Iceland. And what they found is when you reduce, they reduced the number of hours that employees were in the office, but, but they were more productive. Yes. Right? Yes. And, and people know this. People who run businesses know this. But 
they still don't do it. Now, of course, it's going to depend on your type of business and everything. You know, one side doesn't doesn't fit all. But in a situation where you can do it, corporations still ignore it. It's more of an incentive um, because you have less time to actually get things done. So you know you have to get it done if you're there less hours. But if you have eight hours, for example, you get hour lunch. Now you're looking at seven hours. <laughs> so in all, you're actually going to work about four hours in that time frame. So uh, if you're only in the hour in the office four hours, you'll get more work done. Here's the interesting part about the hour lunch. If, especially if you're hourly, they say, well, we don't pay you for that. That is your time. You say, okay, well, can I leave an hour early? Well, no. Well, wait a minute. I thought it was my time. So which is it, right? You take it in the middle of the day. You take it when we say take it or you're going to be in trouble or whatever. Or especially if you work in a call center or if you work in a store. Like even if you have that hour, you cannot play with that hour. Cannot play with that hour. My situation with minimum wage is I can tell you from personal experience, I actually look at it totally different than what the analysts look at it. And my situation was this. Working a minimum wage job back in high school, they would make these requirements such as, you know, hey, you got to have this uniform, you know, black pants, white, crisp shirt, black shoes. I worked at uh, Elias Brothers in in, uh, in Michigan. So it was regional. So some people listening may not have heard of Elias Brothers, but it was Elias Brothers restaurant, and you had to have that uniform. So, of course, you have to have a couple of shirts, you know. I didn't have any of that stuff. High school student, we got wearing that right. during the halls you know, of Rochester. So there you go. But what happened is that's expensive. Like my whole check that I haven't even made yet is going toward clothes that you're making me purchase that you want me to wear. I don't want to wear it. Right. I'll wear something decent, but why do I have to wear this? So why don't you supply the uniform? If, if you're so big on paying the minimum wage, then fine. Pay me the minimum wage, but supply me with what you want me to wear. And I know that no one is looking at that side of the argument. Yeah, it's totally true. I want I, I want to mention just a part of uh, you always use the example of Thanksgiving. For me, it's a day like family, like nobody should be working. But actually, you can find a lot of people that say they rather work that day because of the payment. You, the, all the companies like Walmart, Target, Best Buy, they need to pay double the payment that day. So that's something interesting of uh, incentive to work. So work for that. I'm a big family person. So I will not be the person <laughs> going in your store that day because I'm, you know, I don't see my family that much. You know, and again, going with the example we gave of working, uh, uh, you know, let's say an hourly job, you have to be at work the rest of the time. You don't spend that much time with your family. So let's at least have this one day with the family. What's wrong with that? I also want to address something you said earlier, Jose, about the uh, replacing workers with machines. Now, some analysts say that was happening anyway, as far as the machines coming. Perhaps this may expedite it. But at some point, corporations are looking at ways to have machines do the work of workers. And that seems, if you look at history, that just seems to be something that has gone on over the course of time. Well, I have an opinion about that too, Terry. Um, every company I've ever worked for, um, we're all about automation. You know, saving time, saving money. So going towards um, using more machines than workers is actually a, a benefit more for the employer. So, you know, you have to cut the budget somewhere. What do I always say on this show? Companies are not there to give you a job. They're there to make money. That's right. So 
as soon as you understand that, that will kind of put things in perspective. <laughs> yeah, that's totally true. Cool. And, and technology uh, is kicking in every single day. So there, there are stuff that in the past uh, you needed five people, have five humans to complete something. Now you maybe just need one or maybe none. None to push the button. Precisely. So you just got to make sure you're on the on the cutting edge of it. But yeah, and then this debate can go on because, as I mentioned at the top, analysts are on all sides of this. No one is saying one particular thing as to why the minimum wage doesn't need to be raised. Do we have we raised it too far? You can just find an argument for everything, right? Here's something that uh, I did want to discuss with with you. Um, Recently, in New Delhi, for example, um, India, they've put the 737 MAX back into rotation um, for the flying. And, and, and just a, a quick recap of that, um, about five months ago, 346 people um, died in that type of aircraft. And it was taken out of rotation. From an economic standpoint, it hurt Boeing substantially. They didn't do well. And with the pandemic... That even made things worse with the with the travel being um, being what it is or what it was. It's starting to rebound at this point, uh, but other airlines had started to put it in rotation before. Like American, if you look in their website, they talk about uh, the safety of the seven thirty seven Max. They feel confident with it. Uh, but Dina, you flew in. Uh, it wasn't a seven thirty seven Max, but let's say for example that you had to take a flight out. Would you feel comfortable? on 737 MAX? Uh, just like with anything else that is new, um, I'm not a big proponent on trying new things right away. So it's only been since December, I believe, what you said, since uh, America started yes, um, uh, flying again with the 737 MAX. So, you know, I'd probably wait another year before I do. And I know Southwest, um, think they have the largest fleet of 737 MAX jets and they started re, uh, flying on March uh, March 11th of this year. So I know they're operating 105 flights um, as of today um, on Southwest Airlines, but that's still not enough for me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> ready, so. <laughs> well, Boeing says it's safe, and the air carriers are saying that it's safe, but you're just not convinced yet. You want some more data, it sounds like. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's fine. We're going to take a quick pause here, and uh, after the break, we're going to talk about some interesting topics as far as virtual reality. Let's say that your job is elsewhere, but they want everyone to meet in the conference room. Well, there's a way to do that. You can do that virtually. And what is going on with Zoom? They were doing so well, and now their stock is not doing what we want it to do. Investors investing under the influence. What is that about? Does that really affect trade? Does anybody really care? You're listening to Breaking Bread. Every eight minutes, the American Red Cross brings help and hope to people in need. Thanks to the support of everyday heroes like you. Be a hero. Text Red Cross to 90999 to donate $10 today.
A lot of times when we think of life insurance, we think of end of life. Sure, it's, it's true, we don't want to make any major decisions once our loved ones have passed on, but there are other aspects to financial planning. People often miss out on opportunities which may improve their quality of life. For example, you may have a son or daughter who is preparing for college. For most of us, college costs can break the bank. But with the proper planning, your child may have a worry-free educational journey. Also, what about your retirement? Often, as a financial advisor, I find people who don't plan to fail, but fail to plan. With the proper direction, let's get you on the road to financial success. Call Same Page Insurance at 704-980-2008 to find out more about becoming financially ready for the future. That's 704-980-2008. Or just stop the podcast and go back and listen to the number. Medina, you've had some experience in this as well. What were some of the um, situations that you come across with people um, wanting to look out or perhaps not looking out for the financial future? Well, t- I tell you, Terry, it's kind of sad that a lot of people, when um, your finances are um, a little tight, that they're okay with dropping their life insurance policies. And that's actually really important to have because at a time of a crisis like like we're having right now with the pandemic and all, um, it's very important to have that because with so many deaths and things happening, um, people don't realize that it, it it's very costly to, to bury someone. And so um, that's one thing that I would just heed everyone to understand that when it comes down to cutting costs, don't cut your life insurance. It's very important to have. I understand. I was actually at, a, at an event, and we're actually discussing uh, mortgage protection. It was an event about the, the market of housing and this sort of thing. And, and one of the particip- participants asked me about the life insurance part and I was telling him, you know, pretty much what you just said. And he stated that he just lost his sister and they had to go to a GoFundMe account to try to try to raise money uh, for that. And, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the last thing you want to do in, in that type of situation. So, so please, that's, that's something we don't want to think about it, but you know, it's something that you do want to focus on. Well, that goes back to that saying, Terry, it's always better to, have it in and not need it than to need it and not have it, right? Amen to that. And also, while we're on the, the topic, uh, there's some situations now where uh, pensions, you know, a lot of times the companies aren't offering pensions anymore, but they are farming that out. They're actually moving that over to other uh, categories of Verizon and General Motors, for example. Um, they're getting it over to other insurance companies to make that, make that happen. So there's there's so many different aspects of insurance is it's wild it's it's hard to keep up on it but you know you sometimes you sometimes you have to. Very true. Before the break, we talked about virtual reality, if you would, if you go into a conference room virtually, how does that work? You may have your emoji and you can actually show people things. Your your coworkers, you can have these different discussions with your colleagues. And it's as if you're there. And, and one of the situations with being away from the office is employers were saying that people are missing out on collaboration and, and vision. And this is one way of getting that back. How do you feel about that virtual connection as opposed to being in the office directly? That is something that um, 
It's going to be the future. We were talking about that, uh, about that topic before. Uh, this is the future. Um, we're going to talk about Zoom and the same uh, as well, but it's the same thing as Zoom. Like nowadays, you don't need to fly all across the country for a meeting or to be to know about like to hang out with a friend. So these type of experiences, like with the technology now, is going to be the new normal or in the future normal. So that is going to happen with virtual reality. The only thing is that. This is the first, I would say, the first company that actually is doing what is a virtual reality in a way that it could be for everybody. Like it's more natural. It will look more natural than something that is just imagination. Your emoji will look like Jose. Correct. For example. Yeah. And then, you know, if you got the the, the sets, the, the, the eye camera to make that happen, if you don't, you can still participate in the, in the meeting but to be just like a screen, a flat screen or something. You don't want to be that guy because everyone else is going to look all cool, and you're not. So there you go. But that's something, and I know that uh, Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg particularly, is really trying to get into the, the virtual reality. He's really trying to move forward because, you know, he's all about connecting people and connecting the world and all that. The thing is, that may be one of the drawbacks with this because people tend not to trust it. Why? Gus is associated with Facebook. They don't trust Facebook with their information. Yeah, Facebook has a name that is not that famous. It's not popular right, right oh, now. Or, or actually, <laughs> it's popular for the other things that happen. But let me tell you something. I, I don't know if you remember, but uh, Facebook bought a company that is called Oculus. I remember. And that company, every, every investor, like like a very big investor on Facebook is asking, like, you spend all that money. What is going to happen with Oculus now? And he wants to integrate and make a new platform. So that's why uh, we we are looking, like, more ideas uh, through Oculus. And he needs to show the investor that this is a very good investment. Yeah, and also as a sidebar, that's one of the reasons they say they contribute to Libra not doing very well is because people didn't trust them with their payments. A new one is coming. They just need to find the right partner. And it will come. Yeah, or maybe not be on the forefront so much with their with their name. Like, people were cool with Instagram until they found out it was bought by Facebook, and then people started to think. Well, and now it. they want to cross over, like, between platforms, like something that you have in Instagram, you can see it in Facebook. And I, I'm not a fan of that. No, so, not, so not at all. No, there things they wanted to do it together. Yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't believe he understands. You've got different audience for different social media. Yeah, and and that's kind of the way you wanna wanna keep it, right? And you have to think about security as well. Um, at one point, um, Zoom was not doing very well on the security aspect of things. So, um, so now they're doing doing a lot better. People started trusting them again, but um, they still have a little a long way to go. If you're listening, want to Google, go to Horizon Workrooms, and it'll tell you a little bit more about it. But that's the direction that we seem to be headed. If you have read my book, show you thought of this, I talk about this under the, the making of spy chips. Uh, and speaking of such things, that kind of goes into what we were promoing earlier about your information. How do you feel about your driver's license being on your phone? Just totally get rid of the, the little cardboard or whatever, you, <laughs> whatever we call it in, in the state. And it's just... On your phone. So when you go somewhere and they check your ID, that's where it's going to be. I'm not a big fan. Uh, it just sounds like they're getting a little bit closer to um, 
uh, scanning your identity on your arm. So <laughs> just anything to, um, I guess, get more information about your identity. I love it. <laughs> That's really? for, for me, it's something that uh, it's like I'm talking since the beginning of the show. Is Technology is coming. You know how comfortable it is just to travel and just have one, one thing and all your wallet is in just one place? The thing is, yeah, we know it's the same thing, security. This, uh, we, we talk about that Facebook. But if they figure it out and we feel comfortable, it's something that we're going to be doing and it's something that is going to be, let's use the word awesome, like to have everything. Like when you go to a nightclub and, uh, oh, they're asking for, uh, I, I read that part, so what is going to be with the code bar of the license so they can see your age or everything over there. And then... Um, the same thing, like if you need then uh, a credit card to pay for the entrance or if you need uh, another information, uh, it will be on your cell phone. So for me, it's going to be good. The big challenge is the security because it will be all the information in one place. Now, Apple, you go to their website, they're saying it's going to be very secure. It's going to be encrypted. Not to worry. It's going to be fine. To give you an idea of what states we're talking about with this pilot program, we're talking Arizona, Connecticut, Georgia, Iowa, Kentucky, Maryland, Oklahoma, and Utah. Those 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 could be among the first states, but Arizona and Georgia be the first states to introduce the innovation to residents with Connecticut, Iowa, and Kentucky, Maryland, Oklahoma, and Utah are gonna follow. Another example is the airport. The TSA will also be able to use that information to, you know, get you through security and just to see if you are a risk or not. I'm all about I'm all about technology moving forward. But I'm also about making sure your information is secure. Okay. Well, let me tell you something. It's the same thing with a bank, for example. You have your credit card. Even how uh, secure you hold uh, uh, your credit card, how secure you keep it or hide it, the bank have that information. So if you hack, if you hack the bank or you do something to the bank, it will be your information. So the same thing happened. Like if the information is on the systems of the state, let's say Georgia, for example, is over there. If somebody does something to the Georgia uh, Department of DMB, it could happen. Uh, it, it, could, it could get that lost too. So that's what I'm saying. So either way, like even if it's from the technology uh, on the cell phone like Apple, or if it's directly to the DMB, it, it could be stalled. So that's what I'm saying. If they figure out how to keep it secure, then it's going to be tough with a whole cyber attack that is happening. It, they do it. It could be brilliant. Here's the interesting part. You said if they figure out a way to make it secure. They're not trying to figure it out. There was a time where the DMV would just hand over your information. And, and one of the reasons that, that that changed out in California, uh, there was a show called uh, My Sister Sam, and the one of the stars of the show had a stalker, and the stalker hired a, hired a private investigator to find out where she lives. So he went to DMV, paid $5, and found that out. So since that time, they stopped doing that. However, the DMV is one of the biggest culprits of handing your information or selling your information to third parties. How do you think so much stuff gets out there? Look as close as your local DMV. So that's why I say they're not even trying. They're selling your information on purpose. And that's what I'm saying about the security with the Apple. And I mean, with all the information in your phone. Right. And I, I just don't, I don't, I don't like it because again, they say it's going to be secure, but think about it. Um, we're going more towards um, digital currency, right? So um, here recently the cryptocurrency was hacked. So 
So over, what, $600 million was stolen? So uh, if that can happen, why can't it happen with Apple? That's what I said. It could happen in any company, any any company in the world, any government in the world, that can happen. You can ask T-Mobile about that and see what they exactly. say. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, the, the company with the gas, with the gasoline that we suffer, like... Colonial. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that company, they know about that for right. sure. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Speaking of cryptocurrency, they have to pay the hackers that to get the information back. That's right. Everything is only 99.9% secure. So th- there's no way to secure it 100%. Even if you keep it on paper and something, right. it's not that right. secure. That's right. They just need that 1%. <laughs> but again, the effort, we're asking that the effort be put forth to at least get to the 99%. Right now, it seems like you're just happy with just getting to 2%. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's bad enough getting your identity stolen as it is <laughs> without all of that. Exactly. But anyway, that, that's what um, that's what Apple's proposing, and it, and it looks like they're off to a great start. Yeah, let's see how it happened. And the main thing is the technology and security. If they handle that part, it's gonna, most people are going to use it. In the beginning, to be honest, I, I wasn't a, a, um, I was a, I wasn't a good, a big fan of my credit card in the Apple Pay. For, for that reason, like, hey, they can take my numbers, they can, they have all the information. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, I actually say, like, no, let me pay with Apple Pay. So, who would you trust, Google or Apple? <laughs> That's Apple. We, we can do a total show for that. Yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, personal favorite, we just talked about this, Facebook or Apple? No, Apple, way more yeah, than Facebook. Yeah, it's yeah. not... So, yeah, so I guess the point is if anybody was going to do it, I believe we are looking in the right direction. You've got all kinds of people working from home. Zoom is doing very well because a lot of collaboration was going through Zoom. Stocks are going through the roof. It was looking great. Now we got people going back to work, going back in the office. And I'm not saying there's a direct correlation, but I did notice when that started to happen, Zoom stocks started to fall. Jose, what do you think the future is right now with the uh, for Zoom? Well, uh, for Zoom, uh, I need to be totally honest. I believe in the company just for one thing, the word Zoom. You would say, like, what, what I'm talking about. When in 2000 to 2005, we didn't know what is actually Google. Nowadays, we only say Google it or look for something in Google. That's true. The same thing is happening with Zoom. Call me on Zoom. Even if it's another system, even if it's another platform, call me on Zoom. We do a Zoom call. Do Zoom. That's the reason that I'm saying that I think the future is brilliant. What happened to the stock, to be totally honest and talk to to my people with stocks, is that uh, it was an impact at that time. Uh, two years ago, not a lot of people knew about Zoom, then the pandemic happened. Everybody, like I mentioned in the past, everybody now that used to travel is using Zoom and they are together to their family, friends, or co-worker. So now everybody's using the word Zoom. So more subscribers are coming. So the investors start buying to get in the boat. Of course, nowadays people are selling because the, nowadays it's not an impact anymore. It's just like the, the regular normal. Let's call it that way. So that's what is happening with the stock. Now with the... With the future, like I said, it's going to be brilliant. Uh, if they keep innovating, like more stuff are coming, like more plat- more stuff to the platform, more details, it's going to be better and better. And my companies are going to be using it. Uh, for families are going to be using it. And I think the future is brilliant. 
Definitely. I, I agree with you, Jose. So um, just this past Christmas, um, with the pandemic hit, hitting, uh, Christmas and Thanksgiving, actually, um, my family got together through Zoom. And with their platform, you're able to um, host up to 100-plus people, I believe. Um, and you can even have um, the separate uh, Zoom chats. You know, so if you want to go and have a private conversation with someone and then come back, so Zoom rooms. Um, So they do have a lot of uh, innovation and some ideas um, in the coming forth in the future that's going to bring their stocks back up. So I'm not a a least bit worried about it. The what what I want to to mention is the thing like how many people used to go to college to to the presential, like going to the classroom. Nowadays, they rather, or not everybody, but they not a lot of uh, students rather. I can do my Zoom in my in my room, or people that would like to teach class instead of going to just a regular rooms and rent a room. Now they just rent a, a Zoom call, and they do their classes. So, like I said, it's innovation, and the the most thing that I like about Zoom is easy to use. It's yes. not that complicated. Yes. What happened to Skype? Microsoft uh, bought them. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the end of that. Yeah, the audio um, is, is not very, very good on there. At least that's one good thing that Zoom has over Skype and any of some of the other platforms is that the audio is um, very clear. What I like uh, about Zoom, too, is uh, you don't need a lot of signal, even in your cell phone, like with the regular signal, like you don't need to be in Wi-Fi, you still have a, a video connection. So that's good too, like you can be on a meeting and that. And I think the competition is going, like with Microsoft, that like you mentioned Skype, I think at some point they're going to do the full transition to Teams, and then on Teams, the, they're good and everything, but Zoom feels more friendly to use, when you have a lot of people, especially different type or of user age, friendly. D- different ages. Right. So essentially, maybe Bill Gates should have spent more time on Skype or less time on Skype, more time on his marriage, then maybe it would work out okay. <laughs> just just saying. <laughs> Money. People either don't have it or they have it and want more of it or somewhere in the middle. Taxes, a lot of times, will get in the midst of all that, and take some of that money away. I said all that to say this. The Democrats on the House Committee are looking at a proposed tax hike. And uh, what that means is, of course, you know, less money for you. But they want to raise the capital gains tax at earning, uh, if you earn more than $1 million to, like, close to 40% or 20% to make it, um, make it equal for everybody, according to the president's proposal. Is this something, Jose, that would help out Americans? The short answer, Terry, I need to say, you need to get the stimulus money back. <laughs> <laughs> they need to do that. Uh, but no, but uh, talking about the, just the taxes, uh, yeah, they're high. Uh, not everybody likes to pay the tax bracket that they are paying. But let me just give you an example. In France, it's one of the most expensive luxury tax. That's how they call it. If you are a fancy soccer player, for example, playing in France, and you get in the payment from the government of France, if you get more than a million dollars, you need to pay more than 50% for just taxes. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, in the world, there are countries that are even higher. So, Well, we have a different type of tax 
phase here. You know, people complain about the wealthy or getting over in tax, but that's really not the system that we're on. Once you get to a certain bracket with the tax, then you're kind of free and clear, if you would, of having to pay it. Whereas if you are in the lower to middle income, you're paying a good portion of the tax. So if you go after the people who are wealthy, what does that really do? First of all, there's there's fewer people that are wealthy. So how much is that really giving back to the economy? And second, what type of retaliation will those wealthy people impose if you come after them like that? I believe in something that you told me one of the episodes, uh, I think it was uh, at the end of last year, that um, the judge, the, uh, buying a judge uh, tax, that it would be more expensive. And you even told me, like, rich people know how to play around to don't pay that tax. That's what I So, said. yeah, what you're saying is totally true. Uh, just charging the wealthy people, they wouldn't find a form like they own a company. Well, I, I think it was um, the example of taxes, I think it was last year or two years ago that FedEx paid like almost pennies of taxes. FedEx, the big company of transportation in the whole world, is paying like way less money than an average person getting like $40,000 a, a year. Well, true. And uh, you could go with real examples all day. And a lot of times people, if you're not really looking at the economics of it, you don't really get it. But there was a time where they says, okay, what we're going to do, we're going to tax the yachts. That way we'll get, we're going to get the rich people because only rich people have yachts. And they did it. Now, the problem with that is the rich people went, really? Okay, you know what I'm going to do? Instead of purchasing my yacht in the U.S., I'm going to purchase it overseas. So not only do you not get the tax revenue from that, the people that were employed were working on the yacht no longer have jobs. So again, who are you really hurting? Yeah. And we're going to the same, to the first topic, like uh, is the employer, is the employee, is the government? Yeah, it's, <clears throat> this no, is the game. Right, it's the game. And, and, and you'll continue to lose if you, if you think aggression and emotion versus thinking smart. You got to be smart, people. Be smart with your money. Be smart with your investment. And don't worry about what the other guy is doing. Worry about what you need to do to be financially successful and secure. Speaking of security, we've got investors on the floor allegedly trading stock while under the influence. How does that affect the rest of us? Apparently, it's been going on, according to Robin Hood, and apparently undetected. So what do you say, Jose? Robin Hood is famous for this type of <laughs> topics. I mean, <laughs> this type of headlines uh, attract <laughs> Robin Hood. <laughs> they, they always have something. Uh, Robin Hood, for me, is a game changer in, in the industry of uh, stocks and buying and selling stocks. Uh, but I'm not surprised. It's so easy and so friendly that you think it's a game doing Robin Hood, using the app of Robin Hood. So I'm not surprised that that happened. So it's just the culture of it. Well, I don't want to use <laughs> culture, but... It, it's just what's going on. Let me give you some real, some real numbers here. This comes from uh, the website Magnify Money. 32% of U.S. investors say they have made trades, trades while drunk, Generation Z members fell into the trap that most any generation wears, with 59% confessing to drunk trading, while 9% of baby boomers admitted to trading while under the influence. So you're saying that the game stopped when higher just for that. <laughs> <laughs> so who knows all the different factors? You got that. You got the meme stocks. Hey, you know, 
But you know that now Robin Hood is a stock is trading now. They they did their IPO a couple I think a month or two months ago. And and they became a meme stock. <laughs> so it's not ironic. <laughs> There's some karma for you. <laughs> but anyway, I thought that was a uh, interesting story. Uh, another story I found very interesting. Again, this goes back to the economics of things. This goes more into culture economics, and that is the lawsuit over the Nirvana album cover. The baby on that cover, uh, the album was called Nevermind. He's all grown up now and suing the band members in the Kurt Cobain estate, claiming that it was, you know, pornography, if you would, and according to TMZ, uh, he was exploited and he didn't have any say in this happening. Does he have a case? Is this is this something that should be happening as far as Nirvana being sued? Uh, you, you sent me the article, and uh, I read the details. And um, for me, the case is, I think, is simple. Is he really were exploded at that time, at that day? For me, that's the question uh, important because... Uh, I read in the same article that the part the parents they agree they sign the paper of yeah and they were paid two hundred dollars yeah now they are alleging that they never said to release the photo, but but they saw the photo out there and they never said something we all saw it and now they are saying it so that's the thing is for me the real case is like if they they really or the kid really were exploded. Well, I, I tell you what, there's things you need to watch out for. And again, we, we weren't there, and this is all going to come out in court. The other sides aren't talking, which is, which is smart. But as a voiceover artist, there's certain phrases, there's certain words that I look for. And as a matter of fact, I had a recent situation just a couple of days ago where, uh, and if I said the name of the company, you would certainly know it, but they wanted me to do it in perpetuity. Now, the problem with that is, well, yeah, I can do that, and let's say – their competitor, someone else comes, you know, five, 10 years later, and they want to pay me millions for doing it. Now I can't do it because I took a few pennies from their competitor back in 2021, and now I'm hurting. Now my speculation on this, and remember, I, I don't know a lot about it. This just, just came out, but what probably happened, they looked at the $200 and looked at the success of the Divana album, which is one of the, the top named albums in all of history, and they probably feel a little bit, cheated hmm. and they're looking to get revenge that is happening with music nowadays uh, not only music like with, with everything um the, the the art the art and and actually i'm going to say like uh, all the artists are artists have um the way that artists make money nowadays is thanks to social media because it's getting more popular it's getting to more people it's, it's more reaction now you get money for followers if you have uh, Twitter or Instagram followers, you can get paid for any uh, promoter. Absolutely, that, that, that didn't happen in the nineties, and and then the same thing like that album. If they they throw it nowadays, they they release it now. Uh, it could get through social media, YouTube, and any others further and further that it did in the nineties. So now, because there is more money on the table. I believe it's that like they try to look something a little bit something a little bit more. That's what I think. Yeah, that, again and again we need, we don't know everything, but that's just my uh, immediate speculation on that one. So there there you have it. So we you know we'll, we'll close out uh, with that one. 
Thank you very much for joining us today. Jose and Wadena, glad to have you today. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. You know, uh, you just need to call me and I'm here. <laughs> Breaking Bread is a production of Artists for the People. Follow us on Twitter at Breaking Bread 101. That's break, letter N as in November, Bread 101. Or catch us on Instagram, Breaking Bread Podcast. Check us out on Facebook or visit our website, breakingbread.biz. Give us a listen on Spotify, Apple Podcast app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our theme music was composed by Liquid Van Beethoven. Breaking Bread was created by Terry Page. Success is when opportunity meets preparation. Until next time.